0: hello everybody welcome back this cast was long overdue but before i get started i wanted to go ahead and thank dogen again for going ahead and interviewing me and putting up as awesome videos as he always do please check him out on twitter and youtube under the handle dogen that is d-o-g-e-n dogen all right this video is a response to the video how i got a job at a japanese game company in Japanese, it's So, let's just go ahead and get into it. Again, sorry that this took forever to make. Um, I actually tried to make a video and then all kinds of things happened with that. If you're interested in that train wreck, I'll tell you later. Um, but yeah, without further ado, these questions, or responses I should say, are in no particular order. I just kind of pulled them off of uh, his youtube video and all of them are directed towards me if there's any more questions or anything else go ahead and feel free to contact me directly or leave a comment in this podcast if you're listening to it and i can make a second one but yeah here we go so first off is asked what is the potential for career growth now i guess to keep this question or the answer i should say short and sweet um it really depends it depends on the company it depends i mean it basically is under the same rules as any western game company i believe um as in my company you are put onto projects not necessarily because you're a specialist but um like they'll need people to fill in spots and this and that which is how i imagine a lot of other companies are but um yeah i've seen people come from uh animating like actual like uh, 2D artists to uh, stage planning and naturally kind of like the spatial awareness can help in both cases um and yeah is of course you know you have your performance and your goals and stuff like that and evaluations and stuff but um yeah I would say that there's definitely potential like I've even seen some people on my team and other teams go from being you know they'll go to like the head of said like a section and then go from that section head to director or director to producer i've seen that so yeah there's definitely potential there all right this next one isn't so much of a question but i did want to go ahead and touch on one thing on it so i'm just going to read the whole thing off a now i know how to transition from finance software in tokyo to video games well just wanted to say thank you for this. I ended up in Japan somewhat by coincidence, long story, and I've been here for three years, self taught, and now work at a Japanese company. My only problem slash advantage is that most of the time I speak too informal since I've learned by doing. Thank you for being the more successful and fluent doppelganger. Uh, not sure about more fluent, and I'm also not even sure about more successful. It's just, you know, doing what I want to do. But I do want to uh, take a second to point out something with the whole uh, speaking informally. That is something I worried a lot about when I first joined my company. And as it turned out, as they just told me, look, as long as we understand you and you're not speaking like obviously rude, then yeah, don't worry about it. So basically the producer s- took me aside and said, look, Desmos is all right. Don't stress out too much about it. Um, I do feel like this might be a special case, not special case, but in general, game companies are a little bit more lax they're not as strict i feel like if i worked in sales or something or marketing then i would probably be pressured a little bit more on that but just in general like worldwide and this question might come up again so i might accidentally end up double touching on this but uh yeah as as far as like workplace culture i don't have the pressures that are really worried about and as, as far as Oh No, it's a Japanese company, so you have to you're gonna have to deal with this and that and the other so um yeah I wear just normal street clothes. I don't wear a suit every day. Um, they don't really care about hair color hairstyle um, facial hair uh, Yeah, there's all kinds of things. There was actually this girl a while back who had uh, Silver hair with blue tips on the end of it, and it was really cool looking and yeah, like there's nobody worried about it um, So yeah, there's that next question? Okay, so I think this next one is going to be a little bit more difficult to answer. Hi, I'm currently a second year student going to the University of Georgia, and I'm also majoring in marketing. Next year, I'm going to study abroad in Tokyo, and I've been recently thinking that I also might want to live in Japan after I graduate. However, I don't really know how to go about finding a job without having to transfer to a university in Japan. Do you think the most effective way of finding a job will be the transfer? You mentioned that you had to give up some exchange credits when you transferred, but how did that affect your graduation? Okay, so let me start with the second question first, with the credits and stuff. It didn't really affect my graduation as much as it was just kind of a rule of my school, because I think they don't want people to have all the credits, except for one, transfer to the school, take one class and say, look at the college I graduated from, right? So all it did was, I would say... If it had any effect, it prolonged my graduation by another year, but at the end of the day, it's not really a race. (laughs) I got to where I wanted to be and it might have, it might have quote unquote taken me another year, but that was another year of college and student discounts and basically enjoying, you know, everybody's time and company without having to worry about normal nine to five life and stuff. Right. So yeah, that's my take on that. Going back to the, do I think that you'll have to transfer for a better chance? Mm. It's difficult. in my, And so, okay, also let me preface this by saying that all of this will be from my experience. I'll say this a couple of times throughout, but I can't, My what I say is not going to be a full stop as to what is true and what's not true. It's just a matter of from my perspective and what I've experienced myself. But I will say transferring made it a lot easier, and here's why. So a lot of places, one, will want you to come in for a physical interview. Now, some places will allow you to do Skype interviews, and there are places, especially if you're doing, like if you're trying to become an English teacher, they can and will interview you on online via Skype or other uh, video platforms. But generally speaking, they're going to want to see you walk in the door how you what your body language is like, how you act in front of them and all that kind of jazz. So in that case, well, if you're if you're not in Japan, a lot of companies probably won't even give you the time of day. And then as far as living in Japan, it gives you a base of operations because if they want you to come in, you, like I had to do so much flying. I lived down in Oita, but all, all of my um, or I say all most of my interviews were in Tokyo, which meant that I was flying up to Tokyo at least twice a month for a while. And one, that costs a lot. But two, it was just, you know, it's a lot of traveling. You have to go up there and get like, you know, a hotel or you know, just however you're gonna stay around stick around or whatnot. And um yeah, it's just draining. So the travel, if nothing else, being stationed in Japan, I say stationed, but being in Japan is very important to being able to get to place a place b place c and then beyond that just the experience of living in japan is going to help a lot with job hunting because it's not just it's not like america where they really base everything you do off of your skill pool or what you've already done in japan i think they expect people to not have any experience and that they'll teach them in turn they'll at the company forever basically but with that being said they need to know that you can fit into whatever environment that they're going into and it's i think it's a little bit more important in japan than in america so already having lived in japan will prove an added bonus to what you bring to the table i believe all right next question oh this is a lot Um, all right, this guy, he's like, no offense, my dudes, but there's some pretty important information that was left out. All right, so I guess I'll just run down this. Um, I'll kind of ask, I'll answer it as quickly as he mentions it. If I need to go any further, I will. What is your job title? I am a game planner. What is your major? My major is marketing. So basically nothing to do with my job. Did you study for what you currently do? No. However, I did do self-study and I've always been passionate about gaming, so I don't have a piece of paper that says I've studied for what I'm doing but what I've grown up doing just naturally and like what I've done definitely helped towards this did you have JLPT before getting the job I did not yes maybe so um my JLPT story is kind of long-winded but I'll just say I had a JLPT I didn't have N2 but I had N3 but I had taken that a year and a half, two years prior, so I was effectively speaking at around N2, but in this case, they didn't ask for the actual paper. And the next question actually is, is into required for the job? Um, I believe, okay, here's the thing. Generally speaking, into 2 is going to be required for any job you get. I did a lot of in-person talking, and I already kind of made an impression beforehand so i think that gave me the edge as well it wasn't so much that because a lot of times they will look at the papers and if you don't have in two, they won't really bother speaking to you because you know they're like all right well how do we know if this person can actually say what he's doing or whatnot or how do we know that he can communicate with others but a lot of how i first interacted with them was just in person talking and it kind of i guess was apparent that all right this guy knows <laughs> enough Japanese I suppose so yeah in my case it wasn't but I would say easily seven out of ten cases into is definitely what you need um, and then the guy follows up I say a guy I'm not sure if it's a guy or girl so I apologize if I'm misgendering um, I also work in the game industry so keen to hear this information thanks alright hope that helped next question you had mentioned you utilize a couple of sites in English and Japanese during the application season can you inform us to what the sites were? Recently did an ALT stint, but that was not for me at all. So now looking for more translation localization jobs. All right. Um, I feel like I might need to write this down somewhere. So um, if if it is helpful, I can go ahead and probably put this. I'm not sure exactly how the comments for this podcast work. So I might try to put it down there. But I did use a couple. So the Japanese ones I used were um Rikuna- Rikunabi. That is r-i-k-u-n-a-b-i dot com. Um, that's one of the more popular ones I use. I also used indeed.com. And both of these are Japanese sites. Uh, let me see. I also used a couple of um, forums. While I was doing all this job hunting, naturally Facebook being Facebook, and just in general Google and all that stuff doing its thing, it was like, oh, I see you're doing job hunting. So Facebook also gave me a lot of suggestions as to where to look online as far as uh, job hunting. I don't remember a lot of them off the top of my head, but I believe that you can definitely see, um, like, find Japanese re- job recruiting sites if you just kind of Google something like that. I believe it'll pull a lot up. Of course, there's also websites like Gaijinpot and Jobs in Japan. you can check the issue with those is a lot of times they will predominantly be teaching jobs but if you look through them enough if you just kind of keep an eye on them long enough you can definitely find a couple other jobs that have nothing to do with English teaching so as much as you're not gonna get an immediate hit on those they're definitely worth checking out like I said if I come up with anything after the recording I'll try to go ahead and leave them in a place or just swing by my discord you can find my discord through my twitter and my twitter is twitter.com supersonic540 and yeah just swing by and if you if you want to go ahead and get that, that list or any other things i can go ahead and drop them to you there cool so next the next one is i have another question i forgot to ask i've heard that many Japanese companies have long, often unpaid overtime hours as well as a standard of drinking after work with the boss and co-workers. How common is this in the Japanese video game industry? Now I cannot speak for the whole industry because I only have experience in my company. But I will say that, um, first let me just speak my experience because I do have kind of an add-on that I need to say about this. But my company doesn't particularly force any kind of overtime. We just do overtime as it's needed, so the issues that we face are just general game development company crunch and just... I would say that a lot of the things that keep us at work in my company in Japan is the same things that are going to keep you at work if you work at a video game company in America, right? Um, And as far as the uh, drinking after work, it really comes down to... It's all voluntary. A lot of times we tend to do it if we're like celebrating the release of something or like a milestone hit or something like that. But there's also times where you might just get together with coworkers and It's like, hey, we enjoy each other's company. After this, let's go out and get some drinks. Um, I would I'm not sure about it being a culture, but I guess you can think of it in a way of like college, high school, where when you're around so many some people for literally all day, like eight hours a day, five days a week. You're going to make friends and stuff like that right so a lot of times it turns at least in my experience it's more of a hey we all you know have this in common or hey let's all go ahead and hang out because you guys are cool so yeah so that being said let me go ahead and pull back a little bit and not talk about my company or the japanese uh, game industry but just japanese companies as a whole to my knowledge most japanese companies the way that The pay works is that they're paid salary and in that salary it's given that they're gonna work overtime. So theoretically some of the overtime work is already in the salary. So let's say they're salaried and in the salary it covers up to thirty hours of overtime. So that means that if you go through an entire month and don't work a single minute of overtime, you just get a free thirty hours of overtime money. Just done. But if you do do overtime, then up to that 30 hours, you're not getting any extra. And then after 30 hours, you'll start getting a little bit of extra on top of that. Now, I'm just making up 30 hours. I'm not entirely sure. The way I'm contracted is a little bit different. So I actually don't have to worry about that. I get paid for every hour as I do overtime. So um, in my case, my paycheck will change depending on how busy I was in a given month, right? So yeah, but I do want to go ahead and say that because it's the idea of, you know, oh, there's slave work in them. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that some companies don't work the employees a little bit too hard, but I will say that oftentimes from my experience, a lot of the being paid for overtime is kind of already baked into whatever contract they might have signed as far as the standard of drinking again this is this is a whole topic in and of itself so i'm not sure if it's best for me to go into full details here just because i can go off on a 20-minute conversation just about this but um yeah basically it is kind of like you go drinking with the boss or co-workers to kind of take the edge off the day say oh Congratulations for, you know, doing whatever, or... I was going to say Otsukare, but I'm trying to think of how to translate in this situation. Um, Thanks for the hard work today. Let's go ahead and catch a break. There are a lot of underlying reasons and tones that go with the whole your boss calls you to drink and you go drinking. Sometimes it's an extension of trying to figure out what kind of person X, Y, and Z are. Sometimes it's... I don't want to say power harassment, but it can be like... The boss feels lonely and the boss really just wants to go out with people. And instead of having friends, they're just going to force their co-workers to go. And if your boss tells you to go somewhere and you don't go, then it's a bad look or something. But like I said, that's beyond the scope of this uh, podcast right now. Um, And it, it really dives much deeper into the cultural aspect of living in Japan. So moving on to the next question. My main question would be, how much Japanese did you know when you got to Japan and how much did you know after university? So I did actually take some Japanese classes for for a while, I would say, in um, college before I came to Japan. And the way that my classes worked, they focus a lot more on speaking than reading and writing. So, when I came to Japan, I actually spoke. Not only did I I spoke all right, like I got around right. Like if I got lost, I could ask for directions. I could figure out some stuff. I could talk about. I couldn't really speak my mind by any means, and I could only casually talk about hobbies. Like I couldn't really go into as abstract uh, discussions about anything, but I could get things done, though. In my case, it was kind of funny because of my pronunciation, because the way that I was taught in college, my teacher focused hard on pronunciation and it was great, but then I got to Japan and I would start talking or I would say like the smallest thing and they would be like, oh, okay, good. You speak Japanese and just spitfire everything at me. And Then I have to be like, no, 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 I don't actually know that much. And I'm like, oh, your pronunciation is so good, like you sound kind of natural. And I was like, well, thanks, I appreciate it. But no, I don't know that much. And how much did I know after university? So I will, hmm, I will say a lot more. Now, to dive deeper into that answer, my university was a multicultural, international university, that's the word I wanted to find. As an international university, so it was about 50-50 Japanese people and people from 80 other countries. So it was very easy to just go through your day and speak nothing but English. Because, well, English, amongst the other people of the 80 countries, generally speaking, English was the main central language. And then, of the Japanese people there, this was their chance to speak English. So a lot of them would speak to you in English, even if you were speaking to them in Japanese. And eventually, you're just kind of like, whatever, and that. So... In my case, I had to actively find ways to not speak English to make sure that my Japanese got better. But that being said, when you're hanging out, especially college, right, when you're hanging out with people making friends, it's not just, oh, where is the toilet? Oh, how do you get to the library? No, like you start talking about things you want to do, feelings, abstract ideas, concept, theories. And so... You're Japanese, or I say you're Japanese, but just with any language, your language will get so much better if you are in an environment where you can speak to people candidly and not have to, and not just rely on like pre-determined answers and responses, right? And then also making friends, you'll start to meet people that will take what you're saying more casually, and by that I mean one of the main fears of people learning any language is that you will be wasting their time trying to find a word or trying to find a phrase or figure out how to say something. But if you're in an environment where there's no rush, or heck, even if you're just drinking with people, then it's just really relaxed, everybody's chill, they, they're they like, okay, I understand this is not your native tongue, so I will be willing to wait out what you're trying to say or even help you ret- along trying to say that. And that means, that means a lot for learning another language and i know i'm kind of straying away from the initial question but um i guess i'll just wrap it up with language is taught as a subject and i think that is absolutely wrong language needs to be taught as a tool a tool that you use to make conversation to make friends and to understand the world moving on to the next question how did you learn japanese simple answer mostly through school and then Through friends. I I'm honestly very envious of people who can learn Japanese through like anime, through music, through games. I just was not one of those people. Like whenever I wanted to take an entertainment, and even today I have to admit, when I want to take an entertainment, I don't want the learning process to get in the way. Like I want to learn what I learn, but if I just want to be entertained, I just do that. And so I wasn't really able to pick up my language until I was, until I sat down, learned it proper, and then had other people to bounce it off of. So that's my main answer. Next question. Hey Supersonic I wanted to ask this as I tried applying to Japan as a game developer myself, but failed. But do you think there's just a higher entry barrier to people outside of Japan in general? was contemplating if I should further my studies in Japanese and I've really recently gotten into in JLPT so I don't know if it's worth it to continue studying Japanese in general would really appreciate it if you could shed some light so I will say that yes there is definitely a higher barrier of entry to people that aren't I don't want to say aren't Japanese but let's let's just say like that aren't in Japan as far as trying to get into a lot of work but in this case i'll just speak on my experience of uh game industry i kind of touched on this earlier but there is one of the main worries one of the two main worries is one the communication and two how well you'll be able to get along and mesh with the other people now not living in japan that I don't want to say raises a red flag, but it does make them wonder, do you know the customs or do you know certain things that would keep office peace, right? Are you, They don't want to have to deal with a lot of, oh, when I say this and you took it this way, but I meant this, then now this happened or this person doesn't know how to work as a team or with people and stuff like that. So I think that's a really big issue and hurdle that a lot of foreigners are gonna have. Um, if you have into already, I would say that's great. That's absolutely excellent. Though I would say study if you don't already study in a way that you start learning industry terms and terms that have to deal with what you'll be dealing with on a day to day basis. So by that I mean if there's any like follow um dengeki, uh online, they are basically like the Japanese IGN or something, right? Like Japanese IGN, Japanese Destructoid. So follow them get your game news from that for a gamer. Just get a lot of industry game news from Japanese websites and use that as your study tool. So that way you'll learn how they speak amongst each, like you know, industry people speak amongst each other as well as to the audience and stuff like that. For example, this whole thing has been in English, But somebody who's not familiar with video games, if I told them, oh, that's going to be in the DLC, so expect that to be expanded on later, that's not going to mean too much to them because DLC, download content, what is download content? It's something that you are expected to purchase. Just saying DLC and explaining DLC doesn't give the underlying image of what it is. If I say this is DLC to a non-gamer, it's like, what is that? Download content. Okay, so where do I download it? there's no image of needing to buy anything but to those of us who've been gaming for a long time or in the industry for a long time you hear dlc and you automatically think how is it monetized what's the price on it that kind of thing so i would say start studying japanese through the channels of what you plan on using it and also just as a personal example i did a lot of the ideas and concepts of the attacks for the characters in dead or Alive, right the fighting game so i had to learn how to say stuff like the character leans the t- upper half of their body forward and twists their shoulders with their left one pointing at the ground well that's not something that you learn in a textbook it's like all right upper body johanshin all right to twist hineru but is that the right twist i want to use all right how do you say Uh, backflip, sokuten, like all these kind of words are words that you'll pick up in life or if you're doing what you're doing, but they're not necessarily things that a book is going to tell you because that's not general enough. So TLDR on that, study through the channels that you want to use what you've studied in, on, in. (laughs) So that way you'll be a little bit more equipped to handle whatever might be thrown your way. Next question is, how much money do you need when leaving your country to Japan to become an English teacher? And is it possible to go there with little to no budget? Thanks, poverty. Um, Well, I will say what the generally recommended, and again, this can be broken into its own super, super deep topic that I can hit on later if if the need arises. But generally speaking... The government says that it would prefer you to have between four dollars and $6,000 U.S. Now, a lot of that comes down to, um, you know, of course, moving, finding a place, getting a place. If you're going as an English teacher, then that company might set up things for you. So that way, it'll take some of the edge off. But the biggest thing, the most important thing, especially if you're going to be going and getting like a normal job where they uh, send your salary to your bank account generally speaking I don't know why and I don't know how it works but it takes most Japanese companies about a month to get your payment and stuff set it up about a month month and a half or something like that so it is very common for you to not get your first month's paycheck and then to get two months of pay at the same time after two months or something so that's going to be your biggest issue and that's the main thing you're going to have to budget around when first coming to japan is that you'll come to japan get started in your job and you're not going to get paid for the first two months sometimes two and a half or three but it's not that they're withholding the money from you and that they're just not going to pay you it's that okay well I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat, but I do have my other suspicions, but to kind of stay within the realm of what this conversation is, generally, things are not going to be set up with the bank and everything in time for you to go ahead and get your first paycheck or so, or so. So generally speaking, you're going to be going your first two months with no pay. That's why having said four to $6,000 is very important because you're going to have to basically fend for yourself until you get that first paycheck all right next question is did you ever meet any fans of the game you're working on are they cool peeps any that look like the game's characters that's kind of funny um yeah uh well i'll actually work this question kind of backwards yeah people cosplayed they came up like oh i love this character i really like this character's moves thanks and stuff like that that's really cool the people that i've met in person were were at a Event that was for Dead or Alive. It was a DoA Fest, so it was an event for Dead or Alive volleyball and the Dead or Alive fighting game franchises. So generally speaking, they're all going to be fans, and therefore they're all really cool, really chill people. Now I will say this, and again, I feel like this is kind of the underlying theme of this whole this whole podcast is that so many of these can be broken into their whole own podcast, but there's a bunch of times online that, like, we'll just get crapped on for X, Y or Z because, oh, the devs are stupid. How could they not thought of this? Why did this not happen? Why did that not happen? And I know I can't explicitly talk about a lot of them, but one thing that really annoyed me that really annoyed me was the whole, oh, they've succumbed to the SJW thing. Now I'll keep this short because it's not the theme of this. But, long story short, we showed the first trailer of Dead or Alive, and a lot of people realized that there wasn't any breast physics, like there was no bouncing and stuff, and that Kasumi was fully clothed from the neck down. Here's the thing. The idea was, we wanted to show Kasumi in a different outfit, because of character growth, and we just wanted to really drive the point home that this is not the same game. This is a new game. So that was the outfit. But the whole jiggle physics thing in house, we were making a new engine. It wasn't ready. We did not want to put anything from the old engine into what we showed. So we were just thinking, all right, well, for now, let's just do this. And then later on, when we have the engine uh, fixed, then we'll go ahead and start showing trailers with that everybody took it as oh we took it out because we're pandering to sjw what makes it even more annoying is that finally when we did have a trailer with the jiggle that everybody was looking for in then they were like oh they chickened out they walked back on what they were doing oh, they finally listened to us no that was our plan all along and i will say that basically every single developer goes through something like this so please 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 give most of us the benefit of the doubt because sometimes you really jump on our case about stuff i say you the whoever's listening to this i'm sure you're an awesome individual thank you but some people they just assume that whatever they thought in four seconds is the absolute right answer to everything they were doing and their four second thought is definitely the genius route and absolutely trumps everything a team of people have been thinking about for two months straight. Right? So, anyway, that's a small rant. I'm sorry about that. Moving on. (laughs) How do companies, in this case especially video game companies, handle visa sponsorship for foreigners that have just graduated with bachelors in something but are still living in their home countries? Since apparently the Japanese are going to crack down on people more who come with a tourist visa and then just want to convert there. Hmm. See, that's that's a question I'm going to have a hard time answering just because I was in Japan when that hap- when I got my visa. So I feel like your case is kind of specific. So I would say definitely it'd probably be best to ask those questions directly to somebody that's in the position to be able to answer. A lot of times these visa places will have people that speak English. So I would imagine you know don't be don't be afraid to call them and just say hey I had a question do you have the time to you know walk me through this but in my experience I had I did have to go through my own loopholes because my job hunting wasn't exactly smooth I wound up I kind of got a job and then they cut some people from their team and there was not a place for me anymore so then I had to restart job hunting suddenly and if I didn't get a job within the month, I was gonna get kicked out of Japan. But I was able to get a special case job hunting visa that allowed me to extend it for six months as long as I proved that I was job hunting and would still be job hunting. So there was that, and then I got my visa. The visa was really easy. Like the company just talked to me and they were like, hey, look, we gotta go ahead and do this. So they handed me the papers. They said, fill out these papers take them to the embassy, and then hopefully that'll just be that, right? So the actual process of like once I got the job and getting my visa is largely handled by the companies. Like any company that's going to be sponsoring you, they're going to uh, write up the papers, they're going to draft up everything, put it down in front of you. If there's anything that you need handwritten consent on or something, they'll ask you to do that. Otherwise, they'll probably type out all the information for you. So yeah, in my case, it was just really simple. They said, print off these papers, sign your name at the bottom, take it to the people, done. Um, But for every person it is a little bit different. That's my experience. So yeah, I would say the best case would be that if you are in such a position where you're trying to go from America to Japan and that's gonna be the way your visa works, then yeah, just go ahead and contact the embassy or whichever embassy you need forefront I would say, though, that likely there is going to be a lot of mail. (laughs) They're going to mail you some papers that you're going to have to fill out, mail them back, mail, mail this. You're probably going to have to fax some stuff because for whatever reason, Japan still works on fax machines. And, uh, yeah, so just uh, Godspeed and hope the best for you. All right, next question what are your thoughts on obtaining a master's in japan after undergrad how necessary slash beneficial do you think a graduate degree specifically in computer science to be a programmer is in the video game field Do Japanese universities assist the graduate students in finding jobs during their graduating year like undergrads we really appreciate it yes okay so obtaining a master's in Japan after undergrad honestly any paper That you any extra paper that you get is not gonna hurt, especially if you're trying to do if you're trying to become a programmer at a Japanese company, then yeah, doing that in Japan I think would be amazing for a couple of reasons. One one thing that I've always been mentioning is that doing so in Japan can will kind of tell your employer that hey, we know. That this person understands japan because they've lived here for x amount of years while getting their uh, graduate degree so there's that too whatever terminologies that might come up within like the community of programmers in japanese you'll learn them through that and i think that's really important because you can be you can be very knowledgeable in something and just don't know the slang that people use in said group or even in like another language so doing that in Japan, I think it would be a win-win, to be honest with you. As far as do they assist in finding jobs for graduate, I would imagine so. Um, It's interesting because at my school, there is... I don't want to say that they help you, you find a job, but there's definitely a lot of leeway for you to job hunt as well as they give you the resources so they don't hold your hand through anything but if you're looking for a job they definitely help aid you in finding a lot of those resources so i would imagine i wouldn't imagine that it would be any different the one thing i could see being kind of difficult is that in undergrad the last year the fourth year generally speaking is not as difficult as the other three years the first three years because they know that you're going to be job hunting they are a lot more lax on letting you, I don't want to say skip class, but if you miss class and you come back with a paper or something showing that you went job hunting, then they'll excuse that absence. Right. As far as in graduate though, I would imagine since all the courses are a little bit more intense, I don't know to what level I would imagine it depends on the teacher. So yeah, that's my answer to that. But unfortunately I don't have firsthand experience. So, that looks like the last question on my list as of right now. So, for those of you who listened this far, thank you so much. Again, I'm so sorry this took so long to get out there. I might toss this up a little bit later on YouTube with just like audio, maybe kind of a little bit of music playing in the background. I don't know, you know, like they do, right? um I just am not a fan of editing, nor do I know how to. So, <laughs> that's why this route was a little bit easier for me. As well as, um, if you're going to listen to the very, very end, I guess I will plug myself. So, if you will, if you care to, please feel free to drop by my Twitter at Supersonic540. My Twitch is of the same name, (laughs) twitch.tv.com.gov. Supersonic540. And, uh, yeah, just have an awesome rest of your day. And, uh, take care. Peace.